all ninjas, calling all ninjas. It's time for Lime Ninja Radio. Today on Lime Ninja Radio. Sure enough, I have it and optimized it. And two years ago, we welcomed our third child with no midline defects. So that's really how I got into genetics. I realized how powerful they were. This podcast is sponsored by the Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker. I'm so excited to tell you about our new Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker. One of the things I hear over and over again, whether it's talking to a patient in my office or consulting over the phone with a client, is just how difficult it is to keep track of progress on their Lyme journey. Recording symptoms daily or even weekly gives them too many data points. There are so many ups and downs, twists and turns that at some point they get lost and confused. The Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker takes all the guesswork out of tracking symptoms with a simple monthly questionnaire. Once a month is the perfect interval to see if that new supplement or protocol is working. Right now, when you take the Symptom Tracker questionnaire, we give you a simple composite score for the month. But we have big plans and the data you enter will not be lost as we roll out new features. Best of all, it's free. Just head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker and sign up. That's LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker. You'll be glad you did. Join us every Thursday on iTunes for the latest episode of Lime Ninja Radio. Hello, I'm your host and acupuncturist, McKay Rippey, and this is episode number 181 with nutritional expert, Dr. Kelly Halderman. Also, Aurora, our show expert and the brains behind Lime Ninja Radio, is taking a well-deserved break. And she'll be with us next week, and then she's off to Japan and Korea to visit her sister and a friend. So it's going to be me for a while. You're going to be stuck with me. So I hope you can and I can make it through Aurora's vacation. As you all know, Lyme disease is an international problem, and each week we have listeners join us from all over the world. This past week, we have listeners from Japan to Germany and all the way from Sri Lanka to Slovenia. Also, a big thanks to you longtime Lyme ninjas. Aurora and I really appreciate you listening, and we'd also like to welcome all the new listeners out there. Welcome to Lyme Ninja Radio. We're glad you tuned in. And speaking of tuning in, this week's top 10 tune-in cities are at number 10, Bluffton, Indiana, Roslyn, Massachusetts, Ronard Park, California, hope I pronounced that correctly, Denbury, Florida, Boulder, Colorado, Granby, Connecticut, Los Angeles, California at number four, number three, Stamford, Connecticut, number two, Montreal, Canada, and number one this week was Reston, I'm sorry, Renton, Washington. So if you like what we're doing here at Lime Ninja Radio, head on over to iTunes, lead us, leave us a review. We'd really, really appreciate it. And if you really like what we're doing, you can head on over to patreon.com, search for Lime Ninja Radio and leave us, become a patron and give us a small donation every month. It would go a long way to help us keep going here. It's nice to know you're out there and you're supporting what we're doing. And we have been hosting a giveaway for Dr. Rawls' new book, And unfortunately, there have been some technical errors with the giveaway software, but I think we've got those resolved. 
we do have winners from the past week and the week before, and that's Lisa and James. And Lisa and James, if you haven't received an email from us, I'll send it back out this morning. And that way you can give us your address and we'll send the book on to you. So go ahead and over to LimeNinjaRadio.com front slash win. There you'll, there you will see the entry form to win Dr. Rawls new book. It's a great book. I'm not going to read you the entire, uh, blurb that we had that Aurora normally does to give you the highlights of the book. Dr. Rawls has amazing story. He's a a physician, I believe in North Carolina or South Carolina, one of the Carolinas. And he got Lyme and he went through the traditional routes like any normal person does and didn't get better as better as he wanted to. So he turned to herbal medicine and really has become quite an advocate and expert in herbal medicine. And it's wonderful to see doctors expand their knowledge base and their toolbox and to become passionate about treatments outside of the pharmaceutical realm. So go on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com front slash win and enter for Dr. Rawls' new book. And if you're curious about Dr. Rawls, you can also visit his website. And his website is RawlsMD.com. Now let me tell you a little bit about this week's guest, Dr. Kelly Halderman. Dr. Halderman's experience with Lyme disease began with the diagnosis of multiple sclerosis. And that began her journey toward naturopathic foundational health, looking at genetics and other foundational aspects of health. She works as a physician at the Connors Clinic, which specializes in treating cancer and chronic Lyme, and is collaborating with naturopath Bob Miller on the nutritional and genetic aspects of chronic health. Here's our interview with Dr. Kelly Halderman. Dr. Kelly, it's McKay Rippey from Lime Ninja Radio. Hello. I'm very pleased to speak with you. And I know you from Bob Miller and his work, and you've been teaming up with him in teaching some of his classes, live classes to other healthcare providers. I sure have. It's been really exciting working with Bob and the Nutrigenetic Research Institute. So I'm certified in genetic nutrition through them. and just it's just a very cutting edge um, place to be and just really glad to be talking with you today how did you meet bob i met bob at one of his conferences so i was really interested in genetics um probably about five years ago when the mthfr gene became very very so in wasn't it (laughs) it was so in right you just couldn't be a practitioner and not talk about it so at that time, uh, my husband and I were thinking about having another baby. And we knew that because my two older children, they had midline defects. So my son has a gluteal cleft dimple that really grace of God saved him from having a fulment spina bifida. And that and my daughter has tongue and lip tie. And so when the MTHFR gene got really in, I started going, uh-oh. I probably have that and I probably was not optimized. So I actually ran my genetics. Sure enough, I have it and optimized it. And two years ago, we welcomed our third child with no midline defects. So that's really how I got into genetics. I realized how powerful 
they were when you're looking at the, um, you know, they're the blueprints. So not, not treating those SNPs, but just in a, in an overall way to look at someone clinically, I think it's very helpful. So I, I learned, um, with Dr. Ben Lynch, I went to uh, the seeking health conferences, the shy cons, um, was using his software and I'd have patients come in and they would be on these products that I thought that just dropped out of the sky from heaven because, uh, for instance, the, the histamine scavenger, it's, it's something that, um, I was using piecemeal those, those components. And so when I started seeing these products come in, I said, who made these products? And I was directed to Bob Miller. Then, I mean, just like my mind was blown and I had to go learn everything from him. So we teamed up and I met him and it was instant synergy. And I'm sure Bob would say that too, is that, um, you know, we really think alike. Bob is just an amazing cutting edge thinker. Um, and I'm just excited to be speaking with him. So our relationship evolved really fast because, um, we're on the same page. And you've had Lyme. I have had Lyme. So I was formally diagnosed in 2012. Um, the doctors who I was seeing, my colleagues, told me that I had MS and I should go home and you know be done with medicine and just spend time with my with my family. And I thought, phooey, there's no way I am I'm going to get to the bottom of this. MS is is basically the finding; it's not the cause. And so I I sought out a Lyme literate Lyme literate doctor and was formally diagnosed. And that started me on my pathway to health. I um, then got a naturopathic medical degree because um, I knew that a lot of the things I was doing, such as drinking Mountain Dew and eating fast food, <laughs> I, you know, I was a busy doctor. I mean, I mean we don't have time for food and good sleep and things that are, you know, health promoting. So I was doing everything wrong. And I, I really just started to dig myself out of the hole with nutrition, with balancing out, you know, um, hormones and taking care of inflammation and, uh, better sleep. I started really getting down, getting really digging deep down and, and helping myself foundationally. And, um, I was able to, uh, really heal from Lyme. I, I don't have any symptoms anymore. And I, in 2012, if you rewind, I could not use my left leg. My husband had to carry me around. I remember when someone would say, um, do you want to take my phone number down? I would say to them, you know, what's a seven? I, I, I literally couldn't, I mean, I had such terrible brain fog and, you know, and now I, you know, I'm a dean of a college and I'm speaking with Bob Miller. I mean, I have, I have come, I, I'm actually even better than I ever was. So, um, it, it's just, it's just a fun story. And it, it's really, it's, it's a story that we find with, with practitioners who either themselves or their Family members just exhausted their medical, their allopathic medical resources. And my husband is an anesthesiologist. He, um, you know, he he saw that, you know, we were running out of options and I wasn't about to go on medication for MS. That's the last thing I was going to do. Um, so, you know, he supported me and, and we were really like-minded and, you know, medicine's great. Medicine's absolutely great. The model for acute care is fantastic, but the model for chronic care is not fantastic. And, um, you know, looking toward genetics, looking toward optimizing that, looking toward foundational concepts is really where my passion is. I have two questions before we get into the meat of what we're here to talk about, which is detoxification. And 
The first is how were you diagnosed, if you don't mind sharing? I was diagnosed with the hygienics. Okay. And then the second thing is, was your thyroid affected? It was. So I, I, um, I got Hashimoto's from it. Yes. And, um, yeah, that's a bummer. And I asked because I just got a phone call yesterday from a woman who basically, you know, it's acupuncture. It's it's same sort of thing. People run out of options. So then acupuncture pops to the surface. You know, it's kind of like this is Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's your only hope kind of thing. And so this lady comes, you know, well, foot pain, but I've also got all this other stuff going on and including thyroid things. And she just kept talking. And the only thing that kept dinging in my brain was like, this is Lyme disease. Like mm-hmm. this is, you know, it's just one of those things. So, uh, it, it's amazing how systemic the, the infection or the fallout from the infection, whatever's right. going on. Uh, your immune system goes rogue and yeah. you're in trouble. Yeah. And yeah. she, she has Hashimoto's as well. So that you've, you've encouraged me to, to, uh, I was going to do it anyway, but now I'm really going to make sure that, that we go down that path. And no matter, right. no matter what the, the local tests say, because our local sure. p- physicians don't use hygienics. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure they don't. It's pricey. It is. Okay. So thanks for answering those questions. Let's get into bile, cholestasis, liver detox, phase one, two, and we're going to introduce to some people phase three detoxification, which is a new concept for some folks. So let's go ahead and jump in. We may have... We're working, just so you folks listening know, we're working off a slideshow here so we can have a conversation together. We're going to try and get this up on the website. However, there's some issues in terms of uh, copyright, so we don't want to steal somebody else's work here. Uh, so if we can get it up, we will. If not, we'll do our best to make this intelligible. We, I promise not to go off the deep end without asking Dr. Kelly questions <laughs> and reel us back in. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, so today I want to talk about detoxification, but I really want to dig a little bit deeper and I want to look at a concept that, um, as McKay said, that isn't really um, addressed, I don't think, as well as it should be. And um, as we learn, you know, we when we know better, we do better. So, you know, working with Bob, I like to definitely look at what's going on genetically and we're really looking at epigenetics as well. So, What we're going to talk about today is environmentally and genetically induced intrahepatic cholestasis, which is a mouthful. Yes. So what does that mean? What does that mean? Right. So let's, let's back up. Let's back up and just talk about detoxification really quickly. So let's just review. So phase one, I like to think of it's the bioactivation. It's where you're taking um, a number of different enzymes, primarily from the cytochrome P450 super family of enzymes, and they're converting toxin molecules to reactive intermediate, intermediate substances. So um, that involves oxidation, reduction, hydrolysis, hydration. So you're taking those components and then you're pushing them to the phase two. So phase two of detoxification is the conjugation. Um, it's basically where the phase one activation, when you result in those reactive intermediates, um, phase two takes them and changes them into a non-toxic water-soluble molecule that can be pushed out of your body. So, you know, we use the, the we look at the salt genes, the sulfotransferases, we look at the NAT genes, we look at glutathione, how your glutathione is working. That's one of the big uh, phase two uh, detoxification uh, players. 
So then we're looking at once we get phase two, phase one and phase two, it's just primarily done in the liver. We're looking at pushing those toxins out through the bile or sending them over to the kidneys, those toxins where they're going to go through these 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 channels, these protein channels, transporters called the MRP2. So toxins go out through the MRP2, and that's one of the big concepts. Now, the toxins can also go out through your skin because your skin is a detox organ, but we're going to talk about how the, the exit of those toxins, how it's affected. So Let's just, let's just talk about a normal liver cell. So a normal liver cell, if you have a, a toxin that's been excreted from a different cell in your body, it's going to end up in your liver, where if it hasn't gone through phase one and phase two detox, detoxification, it will. So our liver cell is one of the primary detox organs. Okay, so you have your, your toxin, it's going into your liver cell, it's going through a transporter for all your your science geeks called the OATP. So it's going to go through that. That's organic amine uh, transport protein. So it's going to go through there. So it's in your liver cell. And then it's going to go through the detoxification if it hasn't. And then it's going to hook up with some bile salts. And hopefully some phosphatidylcholine will get pushed into the bile caniculi. Okay, so toxin attaches to the bile salt exits through the MRP2. Okay? It exits through, that's, its, that's the only way it's going to get out. And it couples along with the bile salt and ta-da, you have your toxin and it's in the bile. And the phosphatidylcholine makes that bile really um, fluid. So the bile can flow and that bile hits into your GI tract and then it, it, it ends up hopefully in the toilet. And basically, that's how it works in the kidney as well. So you're looking at the toxin goes in, but we're not, we don't have that bile, but it's going through the transporter, the MRT, MRT2 transporter, and then it's going into the urine and into the toilet. Okay. So what the literature, um, what they describe phase three as phase three detoxification is once that toxin hits the bile and is in there, and then it's, so it's that, tr- that, that track from the bile to the toilet through the GI. So that's phase three. Okay. Okay. So, stop. so let's pause here for a second. So we're talking about normal function here. This a, is right. completely normal. Yep. And what happens, let's just start at the small intestine uh, part of this. So the, the toxin and the bile salt that's, that's bound together gets emptied there. What happens if it isn't past like bound up, it gets bound up by something and then carried out through the small intestine. Right. Right. So, so what happens the, is the toxin inert at that point? Cause it's been through phase one and phase two, or is it still dangerous? So it's, it's still, so it's still dangerous because if phase three isn't working properly, if you're not getting it out, those toxins will be reabsorbed directly into your blood. Not good. And from there, the blood goes directly to your brain, to other yeah. tissues, right? You are right. So, so your body did all that work to get that toxin all packaged up and pretty and nice and in the bile. And then if your phase three fails, you just said, okay, you're in trouble. So is this part of the mechanism that's going on with the Herx? So so if you think about the mechanism of the Herx, it's, it's, the, it's the liver cell under inflammation. So the inflammation piece, so there's two parts to a herx. So let's back up. Yes, 
that can lead to a hurt. So let's just leave it at that. Yes. When the toxins go back in, you're not going to feel good and you're going to have a, you're probably going to have a hurt. Okay. I think I'm up to speed now. <laughs> okay. So okay. how, how do you support this? So phase three, we want to support with binders. And I really see this as, as an underappreciated um, addition to helping people um, to helping people get their bodies back without inflammation and really without these toxins is that you want to you want to make sure that when you're when you're able to get those toxins in there that you're using um, you're using something that is not only um, going to bind your mold toxins and your let's say your xenobiotics and other um, you know, environmental yeah, heavy metal. Exactly. Yeah. So don't be myopic. Here's my words to the wise. Don't be myopic when picking a binder. You definitely want something that's broad spectrum. And so I saw this as something that needed, and I actually created a very broad spectrum binder that it's all in one. You don't even have to worry about it. It's got your clay. It's got your charcoal. It's got, it'll bind heavy metals. It'll bind the gamut. And then you don't have to worry about Oh, did I? Oh, did I bind for to you know for the pesticides? Well, no, it, it it's got it. So that um, that's exciting. We're really excited about that. So let's back up again because uh, I mean, just I think it's so important to understand now that we're adding this phase three of binding the toxins as they're being released. So and these three phases have to work in concert. So if one's going faster than the other, or one's deficient and the others then detoxification is breaking down and not working. And possibly, like you said, toxins are back in the bloodstream. And instead of being sequestered somewhere like in fat cells, they're free floating and looking for havoc to wreak, so to speak. You so can, can, can you talk about like, how, how do you balance these things? It's like, you know, if somebody taking a ton of glutathione, if they don't have enough binders, is that going to possibly make them sick? Yeah, I think that you hit the nail on the head is that we have to have these acting in concert with each other. They have to be paced equally. So yeah, if you're dumping in a bunch of glutathione, I'll tell you, this happened personally to me. So I took a bunch of glutathione when I was sick with Lyme and I felt even more horrible. Now I have slow digestion and I had even slower at the time digestion. So really my phase three was lagging and I was just probably taking those toxins right back into my bloodstream. Um, so that really segues into what I want to talk about. It's just another level of this phase one, two, and three being in sync is when our liver cell, when our body is, is in a state of inflammation and we know that it's a huge, huge problem. We'll look at uh, Bob Miller's work on inflammation. So, so let's just Let's just think of this whole process I went through um, under an under an inflammatory state. Okay, so you have your toxins in your blood, and your toxins are going to go back into the the liver cell, and they're going to go through phase one and phase two if need be. Okay, so under inflammation, this is the key concept of this whole entire talk we're doing right now, is that the MRP two transport protein. That's how the the phase two toxin gets out of your liver cell that is actually pulled from the membrane so all of a sudden in an inflammatory state if you have a lot of toxins that you're trying to push into the bile 
I actually call this phase 2.5 because it is so, so important that you get those toxins bind with the bile salts into the bile caniculi. And under an inflammatory state, it's not even there. Those transport proteins aren't even there anymore. I believe it's a protective mechanism, but it really ends up causing, I think this is the, actually the majority of what causes Herx reactions. Because think about it, you're, you're generating more, um, if you're taking antibiotics, you're generating more byproducts, things that need to be escorted out of your body. You're probably taking things that are trying to push your phase one and your phase two, because you're like, I got to detox, I got to detox. And then you get to that, that membrane where you're supposed to put it through that MRP2 and you can't. And your, your liver cell is like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. So what does it do? It shunts those toxins right back into your blood mm-hmm. and you're going to feel like crap. And how, I mean, is this the people who, you know, they smell a perfume or gasoline and all of a sudden either they've got a migraine or they're breaking out within seconds. Is this, does this happen that fast or is that another process? Oh, I think it could happen that fast. I do. I think that there's, there's a lot going on there with blood brain, uh, blood brain barrier, you know, permeability. I think that, but I think that these people are already so full of toxins and they don't have a way to get it out. Hmm. They, they don't. And they're just one more thing and they're, and it just tips them over that point. That's so interesting. So how, so we're not even talking about the binding yet. We're talking about, we can't even no. get it out of the liver. You and got so it. The liver and self-preservation just hits the eject button and it's back in your bloodstream. Is that correct? Exactly. Wow. Exactly. And I'll say this is that when your liver hits the eject button, it's going to put a, a, a burden on your kidneys. And we're seeing uh, this over and over again where the kidneys People are getting this referred lower back pain. And McKay, you may know more about this than I, but really this, this aching back aches or, you know, just it's because the kidneys are just overdriven and they're the ones taking the brunt of this. And and the mechanism will also cause skin irritation. I mean, think about all the people who have skin issues. Yeah. Actually, I'm thinking quite a few patients right now who this, uh, this makes sense to. So that's why I call it the environmentally and genetically yeah. induced. So, so let me just touch on real quickly what I mean by the genetic part. Okay. So for all you Bob Miller fans out there, the PEMT gene is the gene that is responsible for making your phosphatidylcholine. I am seeing the PEMT gene, which I am double I'm homozygous for. You can't make the phosphatidylcholine. So your bile flow is really stagnant. It's not nice and liquidy flowing. I'm also seeing the ACAT gene, A-C-A-T, mm-hmm. because ACAT is responsible for making bile salts. So that's your double whammy, is that if you have the PEMT and the ACAT, your, your phase 2.5, even if you're not under an inflammatory state, you have issues with that. Does fatty liver affect this as well? I think this is causing fatty liver. Uh, hmm. I've always thought about it in terms of uh, excess insulin, but this is this is sure, op- opening sure. up other. It's probably related in in, in similar ways. Interesting. Sure. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've got this MRP two that that the transfer protein that takes these toxins out into the bile. So the the bile is produced by the liver as well, correct? Correct. 
and then t- take us through after the livers produce the bile and we'll, we'll circle back and talk about how we can increase bile flow, but just take us on the journey of what the bile does. So the liver, so, it's, it's got all this stuff in it, including toxins, and now it's in the bile ducts coming out of the liver. Where does it go from there? Sure. So I, I really think that when when um, practitioners and in, in general people think of bile, they think, oh, yeah, it's important. I, you know, the, the, I have to keep the, the bile flowing, you know, for um, the fat. Everyone thinks bile, you need fat to absorb fat. Well, really um, looking at the four major functions of, of, of bile is, is obviously that fatty acid metabolism and then the excretion of waste products. And we just went through that. I think an underappreciated function of bile is that it kills off bad microbes. And we're looking at How? SIBO. What? Because it's acidic. Uh. It's acidic and it's thick. And I think it's God's gift to us to keep <laughs> that GI tract nice and not hus- uh, hospitable to, to bad bugs. And it, it just keeps the balance really well. So in addition to the hydrochloric acid that the stomach wall is producing, the bile is also very acidic. Very acidic. You huh. got it. Okay. So I'm looking at just, I'm going to go down a tiny little, little rabbit hole here, but I'm looking at this SIBO and I'm looking at everyone I've ever had with SIBO has the PEMT and the ACAT. Hmm. They cannot get the bile to flow. And, and it's just the SIBO, the revolving door. I worked, I worked with a really brilliant SIBO practitioner and she would say it's the SIBO re- revolving door. And I think if you can get phase 2.5 moving, if you can decrease inflammation, if you can respect phase three of detoxification, that'll help you recover. But that's my rabbit hole on that. So, okay, let's go back to that. Was a little tiny rabbit hole. <laughs> it wasn't too bad. <laughs> I know. I learned, I, I learned my lesson. I learned my lesson. So, so, so you're talking about inflammation as a trigger that really shuts down the transfer of the bile flow, or is it that this MRP two? Or both. So we're looking at it, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of both. So we're okay. looking at it as the inflammation pulls that, that MRP2. And when it pulls it, the, the, the inflammation backs up. So it's really, okay, what came first? Okay. So if what, what do you mean by pull? Hang on. What do you mean by pull? I mean that the, the MRP2, the transport protein is pulled from that canicular membrane. So the membrane oh, that. Okay. That, and that's at 2.5. So, so if it's not in the membrane, it's it's like the doorman. It's not going to let anything in and out. It's just not yeah. there. The door's closed. Okay, I got it. Yep. Yeah. So the, the inflammation pulls the MRP2 from the membrane. Things don't flow out. But and but what about like you talked about the genetic variants that really reduce the quality and the volume of the bios? Like how you know, you've got the genetic problems. Does the body have a workaround? How can you support that? So supporting that would be, even if you don't have the PEMT, is to make sure that your phosphatidylcholine levels are adequate. So I am a big fan from getting nutrients from food, number one. So phosphatidylcholine is high in eggs. So a lot of people can't have eggs. So we, we want to look at, at using some some supplemental phosphatidylcholine um, to make sure that the bile can flow. If if the MRP2 is in there and everything can go through, definitely want to make sure that that, that is moving. We also can use, can use supplements that increase bile flow. So bitters, bitters are one of my go-tos. I was going to so, ask you about that. Yeah. Yeah. So 
So bitters stimulate bile flow. So we're looking at, okay, so we have um, this cell and or the liver, and we want to make sure that we're, we're trying to get that out. So um, using a bitter um, is really, really important too, and trying to get this calmed down. Do you know the Urban Moonshine folks? I don't. They're a funny little company out of Vermont that puts together, they started with the one bitter uh, and they have since then a whole line of them now. And they're, they're really okay. experts, herbologists and on the bitter side of things. So right. Look them up there. It's a fun I little will. company. <laughs> I will. Yeah, we have one that we use. I work at the Connors Clinic and we have um, a bitters that we use. But I am, I am open you know, to whatever works. That's, that's one of my mantras. I will do whatever works. So I'll look them up. Sorry. And that was a little rabbit hole. No, okay. <laughs> that's so okay. It's funny. It was a little- I, for a while, I was um, giving everybody in my uh, practice bitters um, and encouraging them to oh. use them and, and myself as well. And just, you know, it's just one of those things you've, you learn something else, you fade away from it. It's hard to keep it. I don't have an office staff to keep me on track. So I followed right. different leads and just faded away. So maybe it's time sure. to get back into the bitters. Sure. And, you know, I, with the bitter, bitters, we'd like to use visceral manipulation. Now, that's not my wheelhouse. So I, I outsource for that. but really. That has um, been very helpful to get the bile moving, as well as gallbladder cleanses, as lovely as those are. You know, you're looking at doing a flush um, for those of you who who can and who have been cleared by your your medical provider. Those can be helpful as well to stimulate that bile flow. So what about all those people who say that the gallbladder flush is hoo-ha? That's not the experience? I, I mean... Don't throw don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, again, I'll do whatever works. I, I just you know if it if it's not going to harm if if you're just looking at the pros and cons behind it, um, whatever you can do. We're we're really we're really look. This is this is something where I'm open. If anybody wants to email me and let me know <laughs> what, what we can do, I mean we're all in this together, aren't we? We yeah. really are. So. Let's put our minds together. Yeah. I don't have an opinion. It's just, you hear, you know, oh, well, it doesn't do anything. Um, I, I did one a while back. I did the apple version and I was supposed to drink the olive oil. I couldn't choke down the olive oil. So yeah, I, I, I ate a couple pieces of pizza. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe people, we get higher compliance. If oh we call the pizza all by <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay. Where were we? <laughs> We're okay, made, so we're going to stimulate the bioflow. Yep. yep, we're going to optimize our phosphatidylcholine status. We're going to um, now this is plus or minus. So we're going to uh, a big a big part of inflammation is that endotoxin that's created from bad guts. Okay, and uh, you know the root cause of disease. You got it. The gut, the gut, the gut. So cleaning up the gut, you can use some nutraceuticals to go in and, and clean it up. We use artemisian. That's a nice one. And there's a, there's a couple, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot you can do for gut health, but um, if inflammation is driving this, then of course we refer back to, to Bob and his work on cracking the code for inflammation and looking at those pathways. I mean, that, this goes hand in hand with what I'm talking about is making sure we're, 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 we're decreasing that which got us into this problem. So, but correct me if I'm wrong here, from from this point of view of what you're teaching us now, if your detoxification one, two, and three aren't up to speed, you start cleaning out whatever it is, uh, gut flora, uh, SIBO, even Lyme. If you can't expel it, then 
it's not going to be good, right? It's like you've got right. to get this bile function working first. Oh, I know what I interrupted you about. You're talking about visceral manipulation. So is that like Lome? Lome is like a belly rub. What is, what is that? So I've seen it done before. It's really where you have a practitioner who knows the, what they're doing and, and you're having them really dig in there, dig into that gallbladder. Now, I don't have a gallbladder. Uh, it was taken out when I was 20 for reasons. I don't even know why they took it out other than they were just bored and I had good insurance and you know how that goes. But I have had visceral manipulation myself and it's really opening up that pathway. And I'm sure you could use acupuncture to try and open that up as well. I'm thinking about that. There yeah. are indirect. Um, I don't know if anybody's actually studied uh, different points for specifically opening up bile. But in terms of supporting digestion, absolutely, there are tons of points that do that from a lot of different avenues, actually. Okay, so back to our things. So we've talked about endotoxins, inflammation, starting to eliminate those. And that gets this phase 2, 2.5, phase 3 going. So once, once everything now can move into the bile and you have the bile moving and support it. And, and so does this, I mean... Simple things like drinking enough water. Does this where this comes in? Because you know, you go to a massage therapist and say, make sure that you drink a lot of water because it's going to detox you. You know, and in my mind, it's like, okay, water is part of the functioning here, but it's actually detoxing. So it's like, is part of this hydration and just all the basics? Yeah, I think the, the basics come into play as well. So you have to have good hydration status for everything, you know, across the board, but really, um, I think those foundations a step up would be really hitting that gut hard with um, just cleaning it up. And, and, and I don't think, I don't want everyone to think that we do this in some sort of like uh, pattern. It really depends on the person. It depends on where they're at. It, you know, someone could have like a, a perfect, um, they're doing the best they can with their gut. So then I would go in and I would suggest that they do, they get on the, they get on the bitters. They do things to stimulate the bile flow. Um, we add on anything. Well, maybe they have, you know, some, some sod mutations or they have some, some hydrogen peroxide, um, lingering around. So really trying to tweak that a little bit more. Um, and then, and then going at this 2.5, we're stimulating the bioflow and it's just, it's a delicate balance and it's, everybody's a little different, you know, but I would say this, I would say that, um, I feel like when practitioners are ramping up phase one and phase two and we've done nothing to stimulate that 2.5 to really push it we're going to get into trouble and that's where when i when i personally um had lyme and i was i know my phase 2.5 was just terrible i it was not working but yet i was pushing the the phase one and phase two i was getting like acne like a teenager like it was because if you can see the mechanism it, the liver cell was ejecting, like you said, all the toxins and they were ending up in my kidneys and my skin. So, um, I would, I think a part of this too would be to support the kidneys, support the, support the detox through the skin. So, um, I have an infrared sauna and I use that a lot because I know that I, I hang on this, this genetically epigenetically, uh, defunct sort of dysfunctional, uh, 2.5. So does that make sense? It's not like I did something, I fixed my 2.5 and game over. It's like, this is who I am and this is who a lot of people are and, and it's not working. So you just keep working at everything you can around it. Does sleep fall into this range? Does the, the bile have a, a biorhythm to it? 
I have heard this. Yes. I have heard that there's a circadian rhythm to bile. So um, again, this is, I, I'm, I'm researching this all the time and I'm pulling um, as much information that I can, but um, I, I, I think sleep is just cornerstone. Just a, a lot of things depend on sleep. I'm so anal about sleep. I have a, <laughs> an, I mean, I, I'm a little too anal. I have a, a tracking ring, one of those aura rings. Oh yeah. Affiliation, but it's like really that? cool. Uh, well, I, I love it because it's ever since I put myself on this, this protocol of the, bio, the, the 2.5 phase 2.5, my, my deep sleep has quadrupled. Huh. So I, I don't, I mean, I'm having my patients track theirs too. So, um, things seem to be getting better. And you know, McKay, when you sleep better, everything, everything gets better. better. I just had a patient come back from a sleep study with zero REM, zero. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. She was, and she was upset that the doctors didn't address that at all. It's wow. She was, she was a little, she was a little frustrated with that. Yeah. Me too. So let's talk about, so kind of summing up this bile flow and there's a term cholestasis mm -hmm. that kind of sums up this. And there are certain other things that can affect the cholestasis that you talk about. So fill us in. Sure. Sure. So we're looking at, um, in the literature, they, uh, it talks about excess estrogen. So if you have someone with estrogen dominance, that can certainly, uh, tie into this. And, um, we're looking at medications can certain medications, including antidepressants. Um, and then, um, uh, then you're looking at the endotoxin and cytokines from inflammation. Okay. So, I mean, one of the things I'm sure you see a lot of too is people on an anti-anxiety meds or antidepressants. And if that's slowing down the bile, and slowing down the detoxification and they're spilling more endotoxins that are, or, or, or toxins in general, not even endotoxins, but in, back into the bloodstream. And those are zooming right up to the brain because the brain gets so much blood flow. Like it's no wonder some of these people just can't get better. Exactly. Wow. Brutal. This is brutal. Mm -hmm. I see. So just to let everybody know, we had a little conversation before this began and Dr. Kelly was saying, you know, I see this bile detoxification phase one, two, and three present in everything. And I'm being persuaded to come along to your point of view. <laughs> You're enrolling me. All right. So what, what can be done? So what, so, what are the basics that people can do to help this entire process? So basically we're looking at decreasing inflammation first. So before we're upregulating phase one or phase two, we have to think about our gut. We have to think about looking at the sources of inflammation, whether that be mold toxicity, Lyme, you know, you're looking at root causes as well. So um, do that first. And then it's, everyone's a little bit different, but, but we certainly want to across the board optimize phosphatidylcholine status especially in those with PEMT. We want to make sure we're stimulating the bile flow. And we talked about bitters, visceral manipulation, and, and gallbladder cleanses, pizza, plus or minus. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, optimizing that phase three. So I literally, I, I, I say bind, bind, bind. I mean, do not forget to, to bind these toxins. Once your body's worked so hard to get them 
uh, nice and packaged and your bile's flowing and it's, it's in your gut. It's in that GI tract. Don't forget it needs, it needs that, that, that push, that, that binding to get out. So that's my approach. Now, what about just bowel function in terms of very simply either diarrhea or constipation? Do either of those interfere with this process? Yeah, definitely. You you give your body more of a chance to reabsorb when you're not moving your bowels uh, efficiently. So, you know, that's a that's a big, we could talk about an hour about that too. So we could talk about the vagus nerve and how it's affected and, um, and really look, looking at the parasympathetic nervous system behind that. We could look at a lot of different aspects, but try and really, you know, I like to use coffee enemas, um, for people We're we're doing it, everything we can to keep that, that, that flow moving because yes, it does play a role. And you know, I'll, I'll talk to my patients and they'll say, you know, how are your bowels? Oh, they're fine. How often do you move them? Oh, every couple of days. Yeah. So in your mind, what's normal I, or, I or optimal like, even? Let's say optimal. At least once a day, at least. So. Okay. So now you all know the doctor says <laughs> you got to go to the bathroom at least once a day. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, I we've covered... Most of the presentation here, is there anything that I've skipped over or pushed you past that you need to circle back to? No, I, I don't think so. I think that would be really neat to talk about how this uh, plays into a mast cell and some of the concepts that um, Bob and I are talking about, uh, the really cutting edge stuff. And you're looking at um, you know the, the underlying inflammation and how we're producing cytokines and cytokines in the literature in, in 2008. Um, the annual review of immunology stated that one of the things that degranulates the mast cell is cytokine. So you can see how this is playing in, how it's a piece. It's we're you know we're 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 looking at the whole um, forest, not just the trees. So it'd be really fun to talk about that too again. Yeah, I would love to. And if people are intrigued about what you're talking about and want to find out more about you and your work and your super duper binder, uh, where can they? find that information sure so i am a practitioner at the connor's clinic so it's just connorsclinic.com so c-o-n-n-e-r-s and where in the country is that we are in we are in the twin cities and we're also opening up a new clinic in fort myers florida this summer so Ooh. we're going to have two offices right yeah so we're excited about that the product is going to be made from a professional health products so it's the um uh, it's the mother company of Bob Supplements, the methyl genetic nutrition line. So look for it there. And I'll, I'll definitely keep everybody updated on that because we're really excited about that, especially in the environment we live in. We need we need binders. <laughs> we really do. Better out than in, as Shrek says, <laughs> exactly. right? Dr. Kelly, you've been so generous with your time. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. If you like what we're doing here at Lime Ninja Radio, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. And if you really like what we're doing, head on over to patreon.com, and that's spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and donate to Lime Ninja Radio. Just head over to their website, search for Lime Ninja Radio, and you'll find a way to donate either $3 a month or $10 a month. 
It's a small amount, but it actually adds up with all the other listeners out there and goes a very, very long way for helping us keep Lime Ninja Radio on the air. And if you join in at the $10 a month level, we will give you a premium. And that is our top 10 all-time transcripts. It's a wonderful collection of our best interviews, our most loved interviews in written form. So you can print them out, highlight them, read them, and give them to your friends. It's only two weeks until the Midcoast Lime Conference, April 28th at the Augusta Civic Center in Augusta, Maine. If you can make it out there, I highly recommend it. There's amazing slate of speakers and presenters. I don't have time to read them all to you, and I've got the agenda here in front of me, so I'll list off a few. So Dr. Kristen Honey, PhD, is going to talk about Lyme Innovation. Pat Smith, the president of Lyme Disease Association, is going to speak about where we are with Lyme disease and what's new coming for 2018. Dr. Elena Freed, who's been on our show, is going to talk about neurological aspects of Lyme disease. Dr. Neil Spector, talking about Lyme from a physician's perspective and a scientist. And there's going to be a great lunch. They've got great food that's part of the agenda I'm reading. <laughs> I'm really excited about lunch, actually. Actually, And also Dr. Bill Rawls. And we are giving away a copy of Dr. Rawls's new book. So if you want to enter that contest, head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com front slash win and just fill out the form there. But Dr. Rawls will be speaking about unlocking Lyme and his personal journey and what he's discovered as a physician. Lorraine Johnson, the CEO of LymeDisease.org, she's amazing. You have to have to listen to her. And Dr. Uh, I can't pronounce his name. Dr. Shaw and Doug Priest from Igenix will be there talking about their test. And the keynote speaker is Dr. Lee Cowden. And if you've not heard Dr. Cowden speak, he is a wonderful, heartfelt man. He's been a physician and an expert in alternative medicine, particularly herbs from South America, for a very long time now. And his insights into Lyme disease are many. And then on top of that, there are three breakout sessions. And within the breakout sessions, there are at least three dozen other great topics. There are too many for me to list here. It's just an amazing conference. Head on over to Midcoast Mains website and you'll see information about the conference. So just Google Midcoast, Midcoast Maine Lyme Disease Conference and you'll find the information there. Okay, I think that about wraps it up, except for the final, final piece of this podcast, which, as you longtime listeners know, is the Lime Ninja fact of the day. Did you know when a ninja crosses the street, nobody ever asks why? Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique, and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.